Hello and welcome to the April 17th, 2018 edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. My name is Mr. Joe. This is my neighborhood. This is my life. But this is our podcast journey. Welcome to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. It's great to have everybody here with me tonight, and of course, it's wonderful to be with you as well. So I'm out of breath. (laughs) I'm actually out of breath because I had to stop and restart recording of my podcast a couple of different times because the dogs will not stop barking, and... Although I feel horrible to segue into a complaint on my first podcast in a few days, I have to say that this is all indicative of the fact that I am slipping. I am slipping very quickly, slipping into some irritability. I want to believe that it's not, but I have to face the facts here. My patience is wearing And there's a couple of reasons why. First and foremost, it's because I have bipolar disorder. I think that probably has the most to do with it. And here's the interesting thing. Since I have upped my Lamictal on 200 milligrams, and I have have spoken about this in the past, where I've been able to monitor and and, uh, self-monitor some of the symptoms that come on, and although I may recognize some of them, a lot of times it is it is within, without my control or not within my control, whereas I can um, regulate my emotions. And I'll give you two instances today, whereas if I felt that I was slipping into a heightened sense of irritability and uh, better known as mania uh, for Mr. Joe a couple of minutes ago, the dogs were barking. Normally, when Mr. Joe is stable or in a good mood or, you know, hypomanic or, for that matter, even depressed, I got to tell you, the dogs don't really bother me. If I'm depressed, I can't even be bothered. I kind of just, you know, give you an example. Let's say I'm laying in bed and I'm in a depressive state of mind and, and the dogs start barking to go out. Oh, Mr. Joe gets up. He shuffles his little feet over to the door, you know, all, all, all tired and, you know, drawn out, and I'll huff and I'll puff, oh, God, yeah, they got to go out again. Open the door, I'll let them out, and I'll just wait for them to return, and that's it. And it's over and said and done with. Stable, or hypomanic Joe, will give kisses to the, do- to the doggies when they go out and when they return back to the door. Manic, irritable Mr. Joe acts the way that I just acted and runs down a flight of stairs and starts yelling at two animals that have nothing but normal animal instincts in which they are barking at potentially other dogs or other sounds or the fact that they just want to go out and I'm screaming at them saying, this has to end at some point. At some point in my life, this has to end, (laughs) meaning that Really, what's been going on is I cater to these animals, and I think we all, if we own an animal, we do cater to them to some extent. 
But I think over the course of the last couple of nights, it's been getting to me, really getting to me, because while I am not sleeping great, the times when I do fall asleep, I am in a very deep sleep, what I've noticed the last couple of nights. A lot of intense dreaming going on as well. Don't know the real reason behind that, but there have been some very intense dreams. And during the, the times, again, when I fall into a sleep, it's been a very deep sleep. And over the course of the last couple of nights, these dogs have woken me up numerous times to go to the bathroom. I don't know what it is. I don't, I don't enjoy it. They are not puppies anymore. They never do this stuff. It started a few nights ago when Lacey, one of my dogs, she had uh, diarrhea all night long, so I was up all night. And, you know, Mickey has not been the easiest go around either. You know, he'll be a year old and he is not sleeping well. For those of you who are relatively new parents, I'm going to tell you right now, we are going through absolute hell here. We really are. I, I, I could honestly say, my poor wife, first of all, in a year, for me, it's a given. I'm always going to be up multiple times a night because I can't stop myself from urinating. So no matter what, I'm going to wake up. It's just how it is. There is never going to be a day in my life where I will sleep through peacefully and soundly as long as I live on this earth again. My wife, she unfortunately is dealing with the same thing as me in the sense where at a year old, Mickey is still waking up multiple times at night, and I am not going to get into what is being done wrong. For the sake of saving myself the heartache of the conversations that my wife and I have had and the disagreements that we have had and the reasons as to why I believe he's waking up, none of that really matters. We'll save that for another podcast. Um, but things are not going good. So my wife is up all night, I'm up all night to urinate, and I'm up now double the time because when I'm not urinating, I'm getting woken up by Mickey. So if I was waking up, let's say, three times a night, now I'm waking up six times a night. So Mr. Joe's not getting a whole lot of sleep. And the other instance in which I display... Now, let me stop myself for a second. The good thing is about these dogs just now is although I ranted and raved, I quickly controlled myself. I did. Quickly controlled myself in the sense where my wife kind of snapped at me just a few minutes ago and she said, they're not trying to go out. Leave them alone. They heard a noise. They're barking at something. And she kind of threw a little dig my way like, I got this. Don't worry about it. Everything's fine. And again, here goes Mr. Defensive Joe, Paranoid Joe, that she's angry that I'm doing a podcast. I, I don't know why I can't get that feeling out of my head. Uh, it's almost like she's, I don't know, like gets angry about the fact that I'm doing one. And it's not fair to me because this is what I enjoy with my, with my family. I call you all my family. I shouldn't have to feel this way. I shouldn't have to present to her and say, I'm going to go upstairs, I'm going to do a 40-minute podcast, and then I'll turn around and go, yeah, huh, right. And me say, well, what does that mean? And it does, it's never 40 minutes. It, so automatically it's a dig. She's already got a problem with the fact that it, it runs too long. Uh, I, I think everybody needs their space. Everybody needs some, 
time away. Everybody needs to do things on their own every once in a while. And I got to tell you, it's not like I'm upstairs, God forgive me, watching pornography. <laughs> you know, I know it's a sick example to use, okay? Or upstairs playing video games. I, I mean, I'm really, or watching a separate TV show. These are all things that everybody's entitled to do if you wanted to. I don't do any of them. I don't have any alone time at all. No peace and quiet in my life other than my podcast time. So here's where I controlled my emotions. While I was not relatively calm with the dogs, once I walked into the room and I had the dig thrown my way, normally I would go back at my wife and a a big argument would ensue. And I have to tell you, I controlled it. The other thing that I controlled today, and and when I tell you I controlled it, I had to really talk myself through it in my head, talking to myself, not the voices, <laughs> my my own voice talking to me and telling me, don't snap, don't snap back, leave it alone, let it be. The other situation in which I um, controlled myself rather well today was when I was alone with Mickey, just so everybody understands, when I get home from work, I am immediately thrown into the dad mix. Let's put it that way. And I have no problem with that. It's part of my life. It's part of what I do. It's part of what I did for my other two children as they grew up. They're much older now. They are home with their mother during the week. They stay in that school during the week. They're with me on the weekends. They're with her during the week. And they fend for themselves for the most part. Kind of makes me sick every single day of my life because I I do believe in my heart that my ex-wife is not utilizing child support in the correct way. They've spoken to me about not eating well, not having drinks, things of that nature. Um, I've investigated how much it's true. I'd say it's about 50% true. It's nothing um, nothing that warrants a fight at this point in time, but... I have to continue to monitor the situation. But at 12 and 14, Sarah Lee and Junior are well on their way to being able to take care of themselves, and they have no other choice. They do. Their mother is out and about. My ex-wife doesn't really do anything for them, and that's the God's honest truth. She can't wait to get them out of her possession. And uh, she strolls in the house around 6 or 7 o'clock every night. They're home for hours by themselves. They're at school all day alone. And, uh, you know, with their friends, not alone, but, and they just kind of do their own thing. And that's it. They see their, they see their mother for a couple of hours. They go to bed. And then before you know it, they're off, uh, off to here on the weekend. And they don't like Mr. Joe's rules either, because I have very different rules here at the house. And that's that. So anyway, uh, when I get home, I'm thrown immediately into the mix. It doesn't matter how long my day is doesn't matter what I've done during the day. There is absolutely no downtime. It is literally walk in the door, kiss my wife hello, my son runs up into my arms, and then she, she walks out the door. And that's it. So let's say I stroll in, for example, today I got home at 2.30 because my wife had to ride a bus with a very aggressive young man with autism. And I think I have reported on that before that I have been doing that. Well, my wife is also doing it. She's part of the team. And uh, when I got home, she'd right out the door. And most nights, she does not return until about 6.30, 7 o'clock sometimes. Uh, so she's out there for a long time. And I'm 
home anytime between 2.30 and 3 every day. And I'm alone with my son until 7 o'clock at night. And what makes it so difficult is we're trying, well, no, I shouldn't say 7, it's not every night, between 6 and 7, where we're waiting for her for dinner. And it makes it very difficult because, again, he's only a year old and he's constantly hungry and he doesn't understand how to wait. There's only so much that I could do with him in that period of time where he's impatient and I used to give him a bath, but now I wait until the end of the night to do that. As a matter of fact, I just gave him a bath right before my podcast. That's generally when I do it, around 7 o'clock at night. And again, as you can see, and I'm not looking for a gold medal. I'm really not. But this is the life of Mr. Joe, and this is the God's honest truth, that there is not a minute in my life that I stop. And I'm not exactly sure (laughs) what the point of the story. Oh, okay. So anyway, I was mapping out my day for you. As my son was whining and crying and moaning and groaning, I said, you know what? He loves doing things to prepare. He loves watching things. I mean, this kid down to every morning us making coffee, he wants to do it. He wants to put the pot in the in the coffee maker and he's a, he's adorable. So he, and he understands everything. At a year old, it's just absolutely incredible the things that this young man understands. So I said to him, I said, you know, Mickey, you want to set the p- table for dinner? And immediately he starts pointing over to the closet for the cups and eh, 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 you know. So we start getting the cups and the ice and we walk over to the dining room table. And I notice that my work computer that my wife uses during the day is in the middle of the table, right where I need to set the table. So no big deal. I sit down. I have Mickey on my lap. Uh, I shut it down. And, but as I shut it down, I see a big screen pop up with all kinds of invitations for a birthday party and then all kinds of favors for my sister-in-law's wedding. And besides that screen is a big pop-up that says you're out of ink. Black ink, yellow ink, this ink, that ink. It's all gone. Every single piece of ink. And I just bought it about two, three days ago. And... I've told my wife multiple times that if there's anything you have to print, ink is not cheap. I can print for free at work. I really can. And I've said that to her many times. So clearly she went through an entire cartridge of ink throughout the day today. And there was a part of me that was ready to text her and start in with her and say something along the line. So you used all my ink. Well, first of all, it's not my ink, it's our ink. That's number one. And I got to tell you, Mr. Bipolar Joe would have absolutely done that in the past. Nine times out of ten, I would have done that. But I stopped myself, I thought about it, and I said, what is the purpose of doing that and starting with her? Why? Just leave it alone. Let it be. So I controlled my emotions there. And I know it sounds like a little thing, but it's actually not. Because one thing a lot of times leads into another. And that initial text would have probably turned into a a complete and utter chaotic exchange of rude text messages that ultimately led to her walking in the door and there being even more of an attitude between her and me. I don't know what it is as of late, but something's not clicking with myself and my wife, and it could be very well my attitude. I don't know. What I do know is this, that, well, first of all, the name of this podcast is probably going to be something along the lines of 
stress-induced mania, believe it or not, or stress reduction, something along those lines. I haven't decided yet. So when you download it and you listen to this, you'll see that at some point it matches up. I haven't figured it out yet. But what I'm trying to convey is that, or at least what I'm trying to ask my audience, and of course give me feedback if you know, uh, Mr. Joe BP at Yahoo.com. And for those of you who I've reached out, I have not forgotten you. I have about six or seven emails that I have not gotten to, and there's one in particular that I have uh, that I made it a point to read, and I will be writing that person back immediately tonight. If not tonight, tomorrow, I apologize. Uh, don't hold me to it because I've been really busy, and I apologize. So, so again, if it's not tonight or tomorrow, it'll be soon. Just letting you all know that I've gotten your emails. I have not got to reading all of them. I was able to read one by this guy, Joseph, and he's just an absolute gem of an individual. He's a great human being. And uh, I, I mention his name only because it's not a secret. We have some exchanges on Twitter, and he's just an awesome, awesome guy. So uh, what a great email I, I, I received from him. So I'll be writing him back when I get a chance. So anyway... With that being said, I kind of lost my train of thought. I have the question to pose to my audience, which is, can stress relief or a, an absence of stress, in other words, when you are stressed and then all of a sudden, for some reason, something good happens and all that stress goes away, can that result in a manic episode? That's a good question, because I have to tell you, uh, and I might have made a mention of it without getting into detail about some work-related issues that had me extremely stressed out, more so than they've ever, than I've ever been. And it was a little bit of a situation. It was a situation that really was not my fault, so it was twofold. Something is not being done correctly in my in my uh, workplace, and it could be a reflection on me. And I'm not sure how to handle it, but nevertheless, it's been weighing on my mind for the last couple of days. And it finally came to a resolution as of yesterday. Oh, no, I'm sorry, two days ago it came to a resolution. And the resolution was a very good one. It was a positive one. It was one that I did not foresee because as of everything else, anything that I foresee in life, I always look at the negative consequences. I'm going to get fired. I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to be put in jail. I'm going to, you know, the whole works. I mean, it's just a, a, a unbelievable that what goes on in my mind. Well, the end result was a very good one, like I said. And what I recognized is when I was dealing with this set of circumstances, obviously I was anxious, I was irritable, I was, I don't, I don't want to say depressed, but I was, my focus was absolutely off, off the charts. I was not able to focus on anything because no matter what I did and what I thought of, it would always kind of stem back to thoughts of this particular situation. And there'd be moments here and there where it would kind of slip my mind and it's almost like things are going well and you say, wow, everything feels great. And then once you start thinking about it again, boop, boop, you're back there. So once it went away, what I recognized is that I became so elated, so happy, 
that my actions almost developed into manic-like symptoms. In the beginning, it was just pure joy. It was some outbursts. I've spoken to everybody about some of these ridiculous names and sounds that I will sometimes do while I'm alone driving in my car. They're almost like, and this is not making fun of the disorder, but the Tourette's disorder, very similar to that. And I'm not using it in a context where I'm making fun of it. I'm saying there are times when I will blurt out um, words that make absolutely no sense. And that usually is my sign that mania is coming on. Just so everybody knows, I have not done that in a very long time. For what it's worth, once this news came, within an hour, I was blurting out these words in my office. And I had everybody laughing and everybody was... Uh, overjoyed about the fact that Mr. Joe was now back to his normal self and happy and nobody could understand what was wrong, but I was back. And it would be okay if that was the extent of it. But what I started to realize is that it escalated into something more. I needed absolutely no sleep the last two nights. Very minimal, very minimal, to the point where even when I was in those deep sleeps, and the dogs were waking me or the urination was waking me. A lot of times I'm able to just kind of go back to bed. But I had this excessive energy where I wanted to check the internet, check fantasy baseball, check things that needed, did not need to be checked at 1 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m., just not necessary. And then what really caught me off guard is looking back on what I did last night. And it it bothers me, it upsets me, and it it, it shocks me that while I am in the midst of doing it, I'm not able to control it. And now looking back on it, I realize that it was something silly. It It was feeding this mania that we all have and deal with. I had bought for my wife for a, I believe it was a Christmas present. I bought us, or her, the Shark Robot Vacuum. Kind of goes all around the house. We have these beautiful tile floors all over our house. Uh, They almost look like wood tile. It's a gray wood. It's ceramic. It's like wood and ceramic. I don't even know how to describe it. They're absolutely beautiful. Anytime anytime anybody sees our house, that's the first thing they, they focus on. And we have hardwood floors throughout our entire house and this tiling throughout our entire house. Carpeting only upstairs in uh, my children's, my older children's room. So this vacuum is is wonderful. I mean, it picks up everything. It's great. My senses have been so heightened over the last couple of days. And it's one of the things that happens when mania sets in for me. And I seem to hear and smell and see everything that I normally would not even necessarily see. Well, in listening to my vacuum, it sounded as if it was making a sound. And just to be clear, I've listened to it again, and it doesn't seem to be making that sound anymore. I haven't been able to decipher whether it is or it isn't, but it seemed like it was making a sound which I did not necessarily like. So what does Mr. Joe do? As he is giving his one-year-old a bath last night, I have my phone on me, and I'm done bathing him for the most part. Now he's playing, and he's in there, and I grab my phone, and I scream to my wife, Hey, Mr. Bipolar Joe's wife. Bring me the Kohl's coupons, okay? Bring me your Kohl's credit card, because Mr. Joe doesn't have enough credit on his. 
Okay, I say, what do you need all this for? She said, and I say to her, I don't like the way the vacuum sounds. We got to get a new one. <laughs> no, um, what is Mister Joe going to do with that? I don't exactly know. Does it mean that I'm going to get the new one and I'm going to exchange the old one and do a flip flop in the old box? Well, that's something that Mister Joe used to do all the time. I, I used to have this mentality. That I deserved something better in life because things would break in a particular amount of time that was not acceptable to me. So I'd go out and buy the same thing, flip the box around, you know, take it out, put it in, and say, "Up, oh, it's broken." So anyway, with the thirty percent off, with all these coupon codes, this, that, and the other thing, it was almost a three hundred dollar order. I don't think anything is wrong with this vacuum. I I, I needed to spend money. I, I came up with a reason to spend money. I don't know what, what I was doing. And I got to tell you, I didn't even remember until I logged into my email this morning. And I opened it up and it says, congratulations, a shipment is on its way. So I guess it is very safe to say that Mr. Joe is in a manic state of mind. Roll over into the sense that this morning, one of the things that I had to do for work before I arrived at the office was I had to uh, conduct a training, a three-hour training from 9 to 12, and it was actually in a school district, in not in Mr. Joe's neighborhood, about 25 minutes away, actually about 35 minutes away, very, very large school district, and it is a training in which I train blocks of 25 people at a time. It's not a huge training, but it will be 25 people. As for instance, yesterday I did it, did 25 people. Today was a 25-person training. And it's a training on something called nonviolent crisis intervention, better known as CPI, which is more or less a, a, a training that I teach everybody to use physical restraints for children and adults in crisis. Primarily autism, that's usually what we focus on because a lot of times they happen to be the ones that aggress more than anybody else in the schools. And we have a hard time managing them because of their self-injurious behavior, because of the aggression towards others, adults, children, things of that nature. I teach them, first and foremost, I will teach them verbal de-escalization skills because the last resort is always to use a physical intervention and try to restrain somebody. So we go through all the interventions before physically intervening, and we go through all those, and then we take it to the next level, which is ultimately showing all these different kinds of moves. We've got the team control position, the one person, the children's control position, uh, the escort, you know, all kinds of things. And... I guess my point is, I was never so excited to do a training in my life. And that's not to say that I ever am miserable about doing a training. I'm always pretty pumped up when it comes to doing a training. I enjoy them. There's nothing that I haven't done before. But I just couldn't wait to talk. I couldn't wait to speak. And I couldn't wait to see this crowd and stand in front of them. And and I did, and it, I, I want to believe that it went well. I mean, for my trainings, everybody just assumes I have this outstanding amount of energy, uh, 
So let's just assume that it went well. Everybody seemed to enjoy it. Everybody was grateful and thankful. And Mr. Joe got in his car, headed to the office, and I was like, I was like a maniac in my email inbox, responding and typing and writing. And before you know it, I'm writing contracts and I'm doing this and that. And I got copies going and I'm running to the machine and I'm eating and I'm got to use the bathroom and I'm checking my fantasy baseball team and I'm making moves. And I'm, I mean, at some point I turned around and I said, what in God's name am I doing? Like, what is going on here? And I came home. And I was in a good mood still. And that first sign of sitting at the table with the computer where I wanted to get angry at my wife for no reason about the ink, it was almost like the shift started at that point in time. Now, I'm not there yet. I don't want anybody to think that I'm there. I am not full-blown irritable by any stretch. And again, the two irritable moments that I had... I seem to keep my emotions in control. I'm able to talk about them with you. I was able to not talk about them with my wife and make any more arguments. I was able to bite my tongue. So we talked about all that. So what is the problem here? The problem is that good news, something that I was very stressed about, put me in such a good mood that I have to wonder whether or not stress can alter a mood swing. I know that there are many times that we say bipolar disorder is affected by stress. There's no doubt about that. Bipolar disorder is 100% one of the symptoms of bipolar, or one of the reasons why we swing moods and we are affected is because stress. Stress is one of the biggest things. But I guess it's been such a long time since I felt a direct correlation between my mania and a release of stress. Yes, I understand stress, the actual stressful situation, will throw us into a mood, but the release of stress, or the relief of stress, threw me into a manic state of mind. Or, was I just destined to be going towards that? That's the other thing. You know, we have to wonder that. Am I looking too deep into this? Is this something that I'm um, overanalyzing? That I don't know. Um, so we have to really figure out whether or not that's a situation here. Oddly enough, if I think back to my drive home, now that I'm thinking about it, very interesting. I remember feeling upon getting in the car and driving, I'd say I drove about two miles and I remember feeling like I needed to take a Klonopin, <laughs> to believe it or not. So are they all intertwined? I don't know. I really don't know. But I do remember. And I never took one. I didn't need to. But I felt a tremendous amount of anxiety started to come on out of nowhere. My heart started beating. And I don't really have to describe it too much to my audience. Because for those of you who have dealt with anxiety, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I don't even know what I'm talking about. It just came on. I just got this feeling of panic, this feeling of nervousness, this extreme heartbeat that started to set in. No real reason, no real rhyme or reason. And then it went away. So otherwise, and I, and I got to tell you, the whole two miles that I was driving, it started two miles in. And for another two miles as I was driving, all I kept saying to myself is, 
The minute I walk in that door, I am popping a clonopin. Don't care what it does to me. Don't care what the after effects are. I am in such bad shape right now that I have no choice but to pop a clonopin. Thank goodness that feeling went away and that is no longer with me. But again, it has to make me wonder, is it something that was leading into my irritability? And I think it's wonderful that I'm recognizing all these symptoms. I really do. With that being said, I got a couple of things that went on here in terms of mania. Uh, Is it really hurting anybody or really hurting myself? Not necessarily. I don't want to say that. It's it's pretty controlled mania, although with that being said, spending $300 at Kohl's for no reason is not really what I would call controlled mania. But things could be worse. Things could be worse, and I gotta say, I'm feeling great. I really am, so I don't know if it is the mania or if it's just I'm feeling great. I just feel awesome. I will say this, whatever I'm feeling, I want it to stick around. And whatever this 200 milligrams of Lamictal is doing to me, well, it certainly feels like it's doing something real well to me. Really, really does. Here is the thing that scares me, though. I have no intentions of falling asleep tonight, as far as I know. But that could change. That could change. Um, I I don't want to say that. I shouldn't say that I have no intentions of falling asleep. I'm certainly not tired right now. But let's hope that I am able to catch... Catch a good night's sleep here, uh, and we'll we'll hope for the best. Another piece of good news before I let everybody go is I've been updating everybody on this silly little tooth situation that I have. Well, April 26th is the day where I will get my final restoration piece, and my permanent tooth will be in my mouth. And the good news is, guys, I've been complaining a little bit here and there because things were not good. I am in absolutely zero pain right now. Everything is perfect. It's been a long ride. It's been a long road. But I am grateful. And I got to say that, uh, man, I feel good. My, My mouth feels good. And one last thing. I don't talk a whole lot about this, and I don't want to make this. Two things I've never done. I've never made my podcast political, and I've never made my podcast religious. But i got to say something. It's not going to be political, so don't worry about that. It is going to be somewhat religious, and I hope nobody takes any offense to this. I, God was a part of my life for a very long time, and we're just going to use the word God for now. Whatever you believe in, whatever higher power, if you do believe in somebody, whether it be Jesus Christ, Allah, whatever it may be, in the Catholic religion, it's Jesus Christ and God and things of that nature. But I don't practice a whole lot of religion anymore. I know my prayers. Uh, I used to go to church. I don't anymore. There was a time in my life where I was completely overwhelmed And I've spoken about that where I was having delusions and thinking that God was next to me. And it was very, actually, while it was somewhat peaceful, it was very scary, to be honest with you. Uh, But I got over that. I got over that rather quickly. Well, I don't want to say rather quickly. I got over that a while ago. But I've mentioned to everybody that God has not been a part of my life for some time in the sense where... I don't want to say that I've forgotten about him, 
but it was nowhere near the way that I was once believing in God and speaking to God and 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 believing in God. And I don't know if it's because a recent death took place in in the office where I work. My boss's mother-in-law just passed away, and she talked about how she was going to deal with the situation with her little girl who's three years old and and tell her little girl that, yes, she's up in heaven with mama and pop-pop and all these and her brother and this and that. But she followed it up by saying, you know, me and my husband, we don't believe in God. We never have. We never will. And it's just something we don't, don't believe in. And I looked at her and I said, okay. I never knew that. Seven years that I've known you, I never knew, knew that. And I don't want to seem too taken off guard. Although some people in the office kind of re- reacted in a way that I would not have advised. But what do you mean you don't believe in God? And again, I don't judge anybody. I get it. I completely understand if you don't believe in God. But here's what I'm trying to say. Is that sometimes, as much as a podcast might help, and, I, and I be, again, I believe that I'm helping you, uh, as much as medicine might help, as much as a therapeutic session speaking to our psychologist or our social worker might help, going to see our doctor, our psychiatrist, that's going to help. All those things might help. Find something in your life that you can believe in. It doesn't have to be religion, necessarily, but find something in your life that you could believe in, something that really makes you happy, that gives you a sense of purpose. For me, I have recreated my relationship with God. And I hope nobody takes offense to that. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to turn people off and lose 150,000 listeners because Mr. Joe is now preaching about religion. That's not what I'm trying to do. What I'm trying to tell you is that it actually feels good that I've reconnected in a sense. And I never really disconnected necessarily. And unfortunately, Mr. Joe is actually going through something in the moment right now because I'm looking at my clock and it is about to turn the time that I am not exactly fond of. So what I'm going to do, believe it or not, is going to put my audience on pause and return when that clock has changed. So if you haven't figured out by now, we're recording this podcast around 8.20 at night. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, guys. I, I will tell you this. If you could envision Mr. Joe, I mean, I put you on pause. I covered my face. I, I just, no matter how much I try to talk myself through it, I just need to cover my eyes. I need to not look. I need to not be involved with the time. While if I, if I zone out and, and try to not think about things and I, I start hearing things in my head and different kinds of noises and... It's, 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 maybe I need more Seroquel. I don't know. What I do know is that for a moment when I peeked up and I ended up looking at the time, I got a sense of I wanted to cry. So these are things, I mean, I hope you guys don't think I'm a real wackadoo. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that some of you do. I don't know what it is and why I go through this and what the true diagnostic feature of it is. And maybe it's something I could talk with my psychiatric nurse about and how, maybe she could help me to understand how and why this is happening. By the way, I, I am supposed to see a therapist. I got a name, and I have not yet. I better get on that real soon. But anyway, 
I don't want to lose a whole bunch of listeners because now I am preaching religion. That is not what I'm preaching, but I found it was important for me to believe in something. Not that I stopped believing, but I want to be a part of God again because I know that he's a part of me. And that's the way I believe, and that's what I feel. So in order for me to feel good and feel whole and feel like I believe in something that matters, I want to be a part of God as well. So, again, it's not about religion. It's about believing in something. God is what got me through the hardest period in my entire life. And while I might have overdone it at the time, I mean, I look back on my Facebook account that I once had, and it is embarrassing, quoting Bible quotes and this and that. And, and not because that's an embarrassing thing to do, because that was literally all I did. I went from being a, a real jerk to this preacher online. So looked kind of silly. I will never get to that point again, but again, I found something that I, that I believe in, and I... I ask the rest of my audience to try to do the same thing. It doesn't have to be religion, but something good. Um, So it'd probably be a good idea, especially for those of you with bipolar disorder and anxiety, anything good other than just concentrating on our mental illness is probably a good idea. So I ask you this in closing, if you are living with a mental illness and you're doing well, I want you to keep working really, really hard. If you love somebody with a mental illness, a spouse, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a brother, a sister, a mother, a father, continue to support that individual. They need it. And if you're struggling right now with a mental illness, if you're battling a mental illness right now, if you're not sure where you are in life and you're really, really struggling, I need you to keep battling. And I need you to soldier on. Thank you so much for listening to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Everybody have a great evening. I'll be back in a few days. Thanks again.